Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight. Before we get to the show, we want your ideas for how to make our Chronicle podcasts better. Take our short survey at sfchronicle.com slash podcast survey, and if you complete it, you'll be entered into a drawing for one of five $100 gift cards. It's really short, and we really want to know what you think. That's sfchronicle.com slash podcast survey. I'm here today with Sherilyn Adams, Executive Director of Larkin Street Youth Services. She's talking today about the hundreds of homeless young people on the streets of San Francisco every night, how they fell into homelessness, and what it takes to pull them out of it. Sherilyn Adams, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I wondered if you could give our listeners a short bio of yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school, and how you ended up in the homeless field in San Francisco. I grew up, I moved around a lot when mm-hmm. when I was little. So we lived in Tahoe and Reno and Sparks and Sacramento. Mm-hmm. I started my work in social work. I have a bachelor's and a master's in social work from mm-hmm. CSU Sacramento. So I started my work and my career there in mm-hmm. domestic violence and family violence, mm-hmm. child sexual abuse, uh, prevention and treatment services. And then I moved into homelessness when I came to San Francisco or the Bay Area in 1997, mm-hmm. started working with adults. Uh, with uh, behavioral health, substance abuse, mental health, and HIV-related issues, many of whom were homeless. And then in 1980, 1990, 2003, okay. <laughs> I landed at Larkin Street. Wow. And Larkin Street Youth Services focuses specifically on teenagers and young adults. What are the issues that you find contribute to youth homelessness? And are there you know, similar stories you hear from these teens and young adults about how they wound up on the streets? Certainly, there are themes or common sorts of histories or backgrounds that we see with young people experiencing homelessness, family conflict, abuse or neglect in the home, poverty, sort of inadequate resources to support the family or young adults. So parents who can and want to and care deeply about young people and their kids, but simply there may not be enough resources. Uh, We see a number of folks who identify within the queer community, lesbian, Mm -hmm. gay, bisexual, transgender community who are unable to stay at home or in their communities when they come out. Um, And uh, parental substance abuse, mental health issues, sometimes parents Death are Mm -hmm. other contributors to or reasons why young people might experience homelessness. And I think other issues can be systems involvement, right? So young people who were in the foster care system at some point or the juvenile justice or children's mental health system can also be risk factors for young people experiencing homelessness. Not having a high school diploma is actually one of the greatest predictors of homelessness um, for young people. Hmm. How many youth are homeless in San Francisco on any given night? Uh, 
The point in time count, uh, the last point in time count pointed to about 11, a little over 1,100 young people who mm -hmm. were homeless or uh, in shelters or staying places that weren't intended to be inhabited by mm -hmm. humans. And what is the age range for? For that would be, that's both, in, that number includes unaccompanied minors, so uh, young people under the age of 18 who are not attached to families who are experiencing homelessness, and then 18 to 25. Mm -hmm. What's the youngest age you've ever encountered of somebody being homeless in San Francisco without a parent or family member? The youngest that we've seen at Larkin Street in my tenure has been 13. Wow. And where do they tend to stay at night? Because it's not as common to see young people, you know, as it is the older guys holding cardboard. Or, so where are they Usually. Yeah. So one of the things that is true about youth homelessness is that, as you've noted, young people often are pretty invisible mm -hmm. or sort of hide um, differently than when we see sort of chronically homeless adults. So they may be sleeping outside in doorways, on rooftops, on the bus, in the park. Uh, some similar places to where we might see adults who are experiencing homelessness. But young people are going to tend to, quote unquote, hide their mm -hmm. homelessness better, try to blend in with their housed peers. Young people may also be homeless one night, street-based homeless one night, couch surfing the next night uh, in an untenable or unsafe situation like trading sex or drugs for a place to stay. So their homelessness tends to be uh, more episodic mm. and uh, then they're uh, then then chronically homeless adults if you will or adults that are experiencing homelessness doesn't mean we don't have also young people who are sleeping outside night after night after night after night uh, but there's a little bit different sort of experience of homelessness among young people mm -hmm. why are they more likely to be hidden is that a conscious choice or yeah I think it's a couple of things I think it is both just about the sort of developmental stage that young people are and in that in that mm -hmm. time of our lives, right? We all tend, we all wanted to blend uh, with our group, be a part of a group. That's mm -hmm. sort of the stage of life, right? The thing we're working on, you know, sort of independence from parents or guardians or whoever raised us and trying to find our way. And often peers and friends are, um, are sort of who we gravitate towards or mm -hmm. in that age range and stage of life. And now, there's a lot of stigma associated with being homeless, and so I think young people want to hide, right, mm -hmm. and not be seen um, uh, by others who might who might not see that uh, uh, see experience that or see them with mm -hmm. compassion. Um, and also, it can be dangerous when you're young and out on the streets, right? So there's also a safety and protective measure of trying to uh, blend in not be seen uh, as, a, as a way of staying safe. Mm -hmm. And have you found that the youth require a special approach from City Hall and nonprofits like yours that may be different from older homeless people? Yeah, I think we, we believe, those of us working with young people here and, and across the state and across the country, that there are sort of uh, specific interventions, specific services, and a specific approach that works well with young people. Some of those translate to families and and older adults. Uh, so we find that for young people, often trust is a major barrier for coming in or accepting mm -hmm. services, right? That that may also be true for others, but young people have often been let down or failed by the folks or systems that were designed to protect them, whether that's a child welfare system or schools or parents or community or places of worship, 
right? So they uh, may not feel like they're going to get sort of what they need or that they're going to be seen for who they are. So there might be just some trust uh, that, that young people takes time for folks to build trust. Mm-hmm. Um, they may, they, uh, for young people, we often see that the, the things that we want to be working with us, with them on to help address their uh, homelessness is both housing or shelter, right? So immediate safety and sanctuary, but also to help work on education, employment, life skills, right? That they often have not had an opportunity potentially to be employed. They may not have finished their high school education. They may not yet have gone to college or another trade school or some other certificate program, right? So it's an opportunity to intervene uh, to help both address the homelessness, but also provide opportunity for the skills and tools they'll need to be on their own uh, as they age or transition into adulthood, as we say. Mm -hmm. What did you think earlier this year when you saw the homeless numbers in San Francisco and throughout most of California had shot up so much? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's uh, painful and hard, uh, hurts my heart, Mm -hmm. right, to think of people, so many people uh, living outside, struggling with homelessness. So I would say in the sort of pain associated with knowing that we have so much more work to do to address homelessness in spite of what I think are you know, good efforts on many, many people's part. Uh, So that pain Mm -hmm. uh, also, though, with some good news, silver lining, and that the numbers for young people went down. Mm-hmm. So we have seen a decrease in the number of young people experiencing Why do you think that was compared to their older counterparts, which were so different? Yeah. So for what I can say about young people is that we have seen an increase in investments on the part of the city and the state, and we have been working hard uh, within the city and uh, to have a um, to increase opportunities for young people. So we we saw the number of young people decrease, almost can, almost directly al- aligned with the number of housing units that came online that were specific for young people. So an increase in investment and more housing opportunities for young people brought me- meant a decrease in homelessness. I think we've also been working hard to work more effectively together as a nonprofit providers with our city, with the city, uh, to really more effectively partner to address homelessness. Mm -hmm. Did the numbers point to anything you think San Francisco and California can be doing differently or better when it comes to addressing the crisis overall? Certainly. So prior to the past three years, the state's overall investment in addressing young people experiencing homelessness was $1 million a year. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Right? There are 11,000 young people who sleep outside in our state every on any given night. Uh, over the past three years, there had been increased investments through a couple of different packages that went through the legislature and signed by the governor to increase uh, funding overall for to address homelessness in key communities. There was a set aside for young people. So first year, 5%, second year, 8% uh, to address homelessness. So I think what we see is when we in- address, when we invest in shelter and housing and navigation centers and education and employment uh, for young people, we can begin to address the crisis amongst young people. And what about with older people? Do you think the same lessons apply? Yes. I think while it is alarming and startling and concerning that the numbers of, of people experiencing homelessness went up, we also know that at least in San Francisco, we are housing more and more 
uh, we are housing more more folks, right? When you look at the data from HSH and hear Jeff talk, right? Mm-hmm. We are in, we are and have increased our housing and navigation centers and shelters and subsidies and other ways to help resolve homelessness. So absolutely, we need to do more. And we are housing more folks, right. just not as many as are falling into homelessness. Jeff Kaczynski, this is for listeners, the head of the city's Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, talks about how for every person his department is able to house mm-hmm. three more take their place. So where do we even begin to catch up if that is, you know, the case? And more and more people are becoming homeless in San Francisco and California, despite all of the good work. Yeah. So one way I think we catch up is, uh, I think, two ways. So one, we know from the point in time data that about 50 percent, 49 to 50 percent of the folks who identify who were who were homeless on that when on mm-hmm. the point in time count happened, about 50 percent of them had their first experience of homelessness under the age of 25. So one way that we can effectively try to stem the tide, if you will, the number of older adults experiencing homelessness is to more is to continue to address youth homelessness. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. We also know that amongst young people, many of them also had an experience of family homelessness. So concurrently addressing family homelessness and youth homelessness, I think, does uh, bode well for being able to 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 um, reduce the amount of folks who are falling into homelessness. Um, Overall, uh, I think we can improve our prevention strategies. We are working on that as a sort of system of youth providers and with the city to identify more easily or more readily or better when young people might be at risk for homelessness and try to intervene earlier. So whether that's keeping kids in high school so that they get their high school diploma, Mm -hmm. whether that's working with with colleges, city college and state colleges to make sure students there have the necessary supports, whether that's working with young people who are on our streets, but we can work to get them back into a family or with extended family or intentional family or other situations where they can get a stay if we can help kick in for PG&E or or food or something, then that helps folks from not ending up sort of on the streets and ending up in the more in our homelessness response system. I'm Heather Knight, and I'll be right back with Sherilyn Adams. I'm back with Sherilyn Adams of Larkin Street Youth Services. City Hall has been focused intently on addressing the mental illness and drug addiction in the city's adult homeless population. Do you find those are big issues in the youth homeless population as well? We certainly see mental health and substance use as um, as significant issues among the young people that we serve. There's a significant amount of trauma that young people experience. So we see depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. We see anxiety and other other kinds of issues that are consistent with trauma. And certainly we see substance use, some of which is experimental and some of which is just a really big coping tool mm-hmm. uh, for for coping with being and experiencing homelessness. And some is is, you know, sort of maybe on a path for addiction. Uh, we strongly advocate for the need for a transition-aged residential treatment program mm-hmm. and for increased resources to address the needs of young people with behavioral health issues. Mm-hmm. I wrote a column that came out over the weekend about 17 homeless people in the Castro who Supervisor Mandelman is trying to target with intensive services. And one of them is a woman in her 20s who's constantly seen walking into the middle of traffic at Castro and Market and refuses all services. What should the city do in her case and in the case of people like her who clearly need help but won't accept it? 
I saw the article. <laughs> Good. Thank <laughs> that you. That you wrote. I did read it. Um, you know, I think we have, so I think there's a two-pronged approach, right? I do feel like the idea that, that you know, that, that Supervisor Mandelman, we have had some success with this when, uh, you know, we, we've seen this work also, and I think the Department of Public Health with looking at sort of their frequent users or folks that are, are high users of um, emergency crisis services, it's really to think, uh, there has to be some individualized approaches for some folks to figure out what what is it going to take to to bring them inside and how do we compile or bring together those services in a coordinated fashion that can, and in a very responsive fashion that can that can help walk those folks from where they are to inside to staying inside some of that is a wide array of drop in and um and uh, low barrier services like navigation centers or like the proposed uh, meth sobering mm-hmm. um, drop in. Right? So some are, are those and uh, a lot is increasing. I think we need increased um, uh, mobile crisis and uh, hot team, right? We Hot teams, we need to be able to more quickly respond to people in significant crisis. Right. It seems like the only people you can call for immediate help right now are ambulances or police. And a lot of people don't really need either of those. Right. Yeah. Do you think we need to just beef up outreach workers in general? I think um the I, I think the mobile crisis as a as a um as a set a particular crisis resolution team and I think the hot team is also a particularly strong um resolution or response team both of those we certainly could benefit from mm-hmm. having additional supports for crisis resolution and mobile crisis or hot team and I would you know hope that those also some of those folks and some of those teams would have some use specific um, experience, but overall in our system, we need to coordinate more. I think we need to have more. And where do you stand on expanding conservatorship? <laughs> uh, expanding conservatorship. Oh, there you go, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it is, you know, I was a probate investigator. Mm-hmm. I was a guardianship investigator. Um, so I have, uh, I certainly see that there can be value in conservatorships. I think it is a very slippery slope. We have to be really thoughtful about when and how and why we expand conservatorship. So I think it needs, you know, there may be uh, instances or times or folks that need to be conserved and that they meet the appropriate criteria for that. I think, uh, and we need to be open to that conversation. We need to be exceedingly careful about taking away people's civil rights. Mm-hmm. What are some myths about homelessness that you hear often in San Francisco that you'd like to debunk? Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear um, we hear a lot about folks um, who are not from San Francisco or the Bay Area coming to San Francisco or the Bay Area for services um, or because of our compassionate approach to addressing homelessness. I think that has both for young people, well, um, the vast majority of young people that end up at Larkin Street are from San Francisco or the Bay Area or from California. Often, if they're not, their last known zip code mm-hmm. wasn't San Francisco. It was certainly it was because we placed them outside of San Francisco mm-hmm. or they were living outside of San Francisco. 
um, but really are San Franciscans, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a myth that people come from far away that doesn't bear itself out in the data for young people. It doesn't bear itself out, I think, in the, in the data for adults. That being said, uh, there are some people who moved to our city because they wanted to live in a place that they thought would celebrate who they were, mm-hmm. that they thought was a land of opportunity for them, chance to work in a great place, a chance to be in a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. The same reason so many of us that are not from here mm-hmm. are here. Mm-hmm. And then they became homeless because... Mm-hmm. Because it's really expensive to mm-hmm. live here, because it's hard to get a job here if you don't have uh, – it's a skilled labor market. If you don't have a college degree mm-hmm. or a significant amount of experience, it can be super hard to get a job. Um, and it's – the city's uh, in high cost of housing. Yeah. Well, you've survived the serious questions, and now it's time for the lightning round. Okay. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Uh, the Taqueria um, in Bernal that I don't remember the name. <laughs> okay. Do you live in Bernal? Uh, we live in Noe. Okay. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Oh, we recently saw The Love Bug. Herbie. Wait. wait. Oh, Herbie the Love Bug. Was that oh. one? I haven't seen that. Oh, I, think that, <laughs> I hope that's the right name. Was it uh, set in the city? It was. Oh, cool. It was super fun. It's an old movie. So uh-huh. it was uh, super fun to see the city in like 1950. Cool. Where is your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? The Four Seasons. What's your order? Uh, an old fashioned. Oh, nice. What was your first concert? I'm really old, Heather. Uh, Maybe Kenny Loggins in Sacramento. Okay. (laughs) What was the last book you read? Um, Oh, I forgot the name. Uh, But I am am reading A Fish in a Tree as a part of the book club for my daughter's book club. Okay. And candidly, I was the only parent to not finish on time. (laughs) Oh, confessions on the podcast. Uh, Yes or no, should there be a navigation center in every district? (laughs) You keep looking at me funny. (laughs) Uh, There should be homeless services in every district. Uh I don't know that every district needs a specific navigation center, Mm -hmm. but there should be emergency 24-hour services Mm -hmm. for folks in every district. Okay. Yes or no, should there be a commission overseeing the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing? That is not a yes or no question. (laughs) Okay. What is your answer? Uh, There needs to be an increased way for community to participate in informing the strategies that the department takes forward. Mm -hmm. If that, uh, I have concerns about whether or not a commission will get us towards that goal. um, And I would strive to work in greater partnership with the department to address our shared vision of ending homelessness in San Francisco. What's something that all San Franciscans can do to help the homeless crisis? I think uh, we can support housing and the development of housing and shelter and NAV services in our districts, mm-hmm. in every district. There should be all of mm-hmm. something or some of some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can be kind and understanding and compassionate towards our unhoused neighbors. Mm-hmm. And I think each of us can find a way to do something to address the homelessness crisis, whether mm-hmm. that's volunteer whether that's give coffee and, uh, and chat with a person who in your neighborhood mm-hmm. who might be outside, whether that's get involved in the issues that you care about and be and vote 
mm-hmm. and bring your voice to City Hall or to the state. Um, I think we can all find a way to do something that brings us together and not separates us. Well said. Lastly, what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day? Time with my daughter. Oh, good. Great. Well, thank you for making time for me and joining (laughs) us on the podcast. Thank you, Heather. Thank you to Sherilyn Adams for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. San Francisco City Insider is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support San Francisco City Insider and all of the Chronicle's vital local journalism by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. <laughs>